Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians, and a little different where we've been for, for several months. All summer long, we pretty much, we've been, uh, we've been ministering on prayer all summer, and uh, we talked about uh, early in part of the summer, we ministered on the five most important things um, uh, about New Testament prayer. The last eight weeks or so, we've been, we've been teaching on the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And so tonight, I want to talk to you. Uh, to, to, I'm thinking this will close out prayer for a while, maybe. I don't know, but I want to talk to you tonight about seven, seven accomplishments of prayer. Seven things that prayer will do for you. And I know sometimes, you know, we think, well, prayer is just, you know, I, prayer is, is what, I, what I do when I'm in trouble. I get in trouble, I run to prayer. If everything's going good, don't think too much about it. But prayer is not something that we use when we're just, when we're in trouble or we need help. Amen. That is a good prayer. Help. That's a good prayer. And we have to use it like that sometimes. But uh, I, 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 I uh, you know, I, I think we need, uh, every Christian, every believer needs a good prayer life. So there are, there are some things that can be accomplished in your life and some things that prayer will do for you uh, if you have a proper prayer life. And these messages and these lessons and this teaching over the past three months or whatever has, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, my purpose, my desire, my goal is to see you become, this church become greater people of prayer. Amen. Men and women of prayer, to be people of prayer, to be, a to be a praying church, to be a praying church. So in Philippians chapter number 1, we're going there this evening, and I'm going to begin with verse number 18, Philippians chapter 1. I love the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 18. And here's what it says. Paul says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know, I like that. I like to be able to say I know something. For Not I think or I hope so or maybe or I don't know, you know, but I know that this shall turn to my salvation or to my deliverance. The word there. Translated salvation actually means deliverance. For I know that this shall turn to my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope. How many, how many of y'all got a, an earnest expectation and a hope that God's going to do something in your life? that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not, or I, I don't know. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. 
And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Amen. Father, bless the the teaching of your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul, uh, I, I love the Apostle Paul, and Philippians, as I said, is one of my favorite books, but Paul, as you all know, if you've studied anything at all about his life, had some difficult times, went through some very rough places and rough times in his life. When you read over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a whole list of things that, that he encountered and he endured. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, when I'm, uh, when I'm going through a rough time, I, I like to turn over there and just kind of read some of that because I get to thinking about the Apostle Paul and I've never went through anything compared, not even remotely compared to what this great man of God went through. And, uh, you know, he gives the list there. We won't take time to read all of it, but you can read it when you get home, but it's in the second Corinthians chapter 11, but he had, he talked about how that he had been, how he had been whipped, had received 39 stripes on five different occasions. He had been beaten with rods three different times. Uh, one time he was stoned. And you know, last, uh, last Sunday night we talked about the shipwreck that he was in. And, but he, he, he says there that he was shipwrecked three different times. He spent a night and a day floating around in the ocean. I mean, you know, he said he was in perils of robbers and in perils of his own countrymen and, and, and in hungering often, fastings often. I mean, he went through some stuff. And I don't think any of us tonight can, can say that, it's, that we're remotely close to going through what Paul went through. He was always being opposed uh, by other people. People, they were people, you know, Satan was always stirring people up to come against him. They were tearing him down verbally. They were saying he was not a true apostle of the Lord. They were infiltrating uh, the churches, false teachers were. He was always battling against them. So he had a difficult go. He had a rough time. Listen, nobody, God never promised us that the Christian life's going to be a, a bed of roses. He never promised us a rose garden. Amen. I beg your pardon. Come on, amen. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but there's going to be difficulties. And Paul's writing this, this letter here to the church at Philippi. Paul is writing this letter from a, Ro a Roman prison cell. And so, you know, to read, this, to read this letter of Philippians and all the joy that's in there, I mean, he mentions joy. The theme of the book of Philippians, if, you, if you're down and out and you need some joy, read the book of Philippians because, because the theme of that book is joy. And he mentions joy 14 times in the book of Philippians. But through all that Paul went through, he said in Philippians 4, that in all the things that he, that he went through and everything, he said, I have learned, there's something, and this is something that has to be learned. He said, I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Now that's not too popular preaching today, man, but, but nevertheless, it's something that you and I 
have to learn because our condition and our state, and he's not talking about the state of Missouri or Arkansas or Kansas. He's talking about our, our condition. And he said, whatever state I'm in, I have learned to be content. He said, sometimes I abound and sometimes I'm, 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 I'm on the mountaintop. But then he said, sometimes I'm down in the valley. And he said, sometimes I'm low. Read that fourth chapter and you'll find that out. He said, I, sometimes I'm full, sometimes I'm empty. He said, you know, but I've learned that no matter whether I'm on a high or I'm on a low, I'm content where I'm at because I'm content with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know him, amen? I know him and the power of his resurrection. So, so, so that was the thing about Paul, no matter what he went through, and this is what I admire about this man of God, is that he always kept the attitude of victory. Have you ever noticed that? And I gotta slow down because this is a Bible study tonight, right? But he always, it's hard for me not to preach. But he always kept the attitude of victory. And uh, he even made the statement here in this 12th verse. He said uh, that everything that had happened to him, he told this church at Philippi, he said, everything that has happened to me has worked out to the furtherance of the gospel. So in other words, he was saying, everything that Satan did to try to stop me, all he He's done is helped me to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ in a better way and in a greater way. So that tells us, you know, that's another way of saying that to those who love God and to those who are Christians, that all things work together for the good to those, amen? That God knows how to take that which the enemy has meant for evil in our life and turn it around and work it out for good in our life if we will trust in him. But uh, Paul was, he was submitted to the will of God he wanted what God wanted. And, uh, you know, he, in this first chapter of Philippians, he's saying, you know, well, if God, if, if, it's, if it's the will of God for me to be released from prison and to come back and to minister to you, I'm praying that. And if that's the will of God, fine. But you know what? Then he said, you know what? But if I'm executed, he said, if I have to give my life, if I live, well, he said, whether it's in life or whether it's in death, he said, the Lord Jesus is going to be magnified in my life. Now, I'm telling you that is an attitude of victory. What's the devil going to do with a guy like that? Hey, no, you know, if you let him live, he's going to praise the Lord. If you kill him, he's going to praise the Lord and die. And he said, I'm going to glorify God no matter what kind of situation that I happen to be going through. Amen? I've got to hurry up. I won't get to these seven things. <laughs> See, there was nothing that ever got him down. He just wouldn't allow anything to get him down. And I believe that, you know, man, I was, as I was studying this today and, and putting this together, I thought, man, God, give me that attitude. I, I You know, we got to have that. We've got to, as Christians, we've got to have that same kind of attitude today, that victorious attitude. That's the attitude of an overcomer, Right? Praise God, that's the attitude of the overcomer. But look in verse number 19, Paul mentions two important factors that he had confidence in. And he said, for I know that this shall turn into my salvation. What? What shall turn into or to my deliverance? And he said this, here was where his confidence, he said that through, and he told this church, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that was going to bring him deliverance. That was, that was something he depended on and that he looked to. That, that was prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. we got to have both of those in our life. 
We've got to have both of those. And these two are twins. I believe they're, 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 they're linked together. Can you see that? That if you have a prayer life, if you're a praying individual, then, then it's going to be linked to a supply. I'm about to get happy here. It's going to be linked to a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ or a supply of the Holy Spirit. How many needs a supply of the Holy Spirit? Not just a little dab of do you, not just a brill cream shot, Amen. Amen. But a supply, a full supply of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, Paul said that he was depending on prayer and a supply of the Holy Spirit to bring him through, to give him victory, and to give him deliverance in his life. Amen. So listen, so based on that, in this first chapter, there are seven things that I want to point out to you that are benefits to us that, will, that prayer will accomplish in our life. And the first one is this, number one, if you want to jot these down, because I'm going to try to hurry through them. But the first one is this, through prayer we can experience the li- a life of continuous rejoicing. Through prayer, how many believe that? Through prayer, if, you, if we've got a, a proper prayer life and we're seeking the Lord and we've got the supply of the Holy Spirit, then we will experience and can experience a life of continuous rejoicing. He said there in verse number 18 that uh, he said that in this, he said, we're, we're in Christ. He was talking about some guys were, te- were preaching Christ out of contention or with different motives, some trying to add affliction to him and to his bonds and, and wasn't doing it with the right motive. But he said, you know what, whether they're preaching with the wrong motive or not, he said, whether it's in pretense or in truth, at least he said Christ is being preached. And here's what he said, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I rejoice and will rejoice. In the face of everything that he was going through in his life, Paul had made the decision that he was going to rejoice. And I, 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 you know, he stresses this all through this book of Philippians. He said, not only he said, I do rejoice, but he he said, I'm going to keep rejoicing in the future. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord in my life. In that fourth chapter, he writes to this church and he said rejoice in the Lord every Sunday (laughs) rejoice in the Lord three times a week no he said rejoice in the Lord always and again just in case you didn't hear it again I say rejoice amen That's the theme and the key of this book is rejoicing. Amen. Nothing was going to stop Paul's from rejoicing. Nothing was going to steal his joy. And can I tell you something tonight? There are a multitude of things that the enemy will use against us to try to rob us of our joy. And, uh, you know, that's his target because you know why? what he knows? He knows, Satan knows, that the Bible says, is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't that right? Praise God. If he can get us discouraged and get us down and zap us of our joy, he'll, he'll, he'll zap us of our strength. But that's why prayer is important. That's why I've been teaching you for these past few weeks on prayer and how to have a good prayer life and how to approach the Father and what to pray for and what to pray about because prayer will give you 
Prayer will give you joy and rejoicing in the midst of the trouble that you're in. We can have that. Jesus said that he wanted our joy to be full. And Paul said here that, 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 that because of, of, the, the, of prayer and a supply of the Spirit, he said, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to let the joy of the Lord flow in my life. This church at Philippi was actually even started under severe persecution because 16th chapter of Acts was where that church began. And it was in that chapter right after Paul went to Philippi that he and Silas were arrested and they were whipped and they were beaten and they were thrown in that Philippian prison, in that dungeon. I mentioned it the other night. But, but it, even there, and that's why you know he could write that to this church because they knew this is the kind of life he lived. So right in the midst of being in the prison in Philippi, in that dungeon at midnight, the Bible said that Paul and Silas did what? They prayed and sang praises to God, and God sent an earthquake, shook the jailhouse, broke the bands off of the prisoners, off of Paul and Silas. They came out of there and got the jailer saved, got the whole jailer's family saved. I believe the prisoners even got saved when they saw what happened. Why? How did this happen? It was because there was prayer, there was a supply of the Spirit, and there was a man that through prayer, two men that continued to rejoice no matter what they were facing in life. That is not an easy thing to do, but it is necessary. And prayer will help us to accomplish that and to be able to rejoice. How many believes that? Anybody ever went in your prayer room, you know, and I've mentioned this before, that picture that people's had on Facebook before, and it says me going in my prayer room, and it's a little kitty cat. And and then the next picture is me coming out of my prayer room, and it's a big old roaring lion. That's what prayer will do for you. Come on, amen. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. It's Darlene Bishop, she had a message one time. Uh, said, well, just, why won't people pray? It's, it, it just boggles your mind why people don't pray with the, the benefits that there is in prayer. But number two, number two, through prayer we receive divine help. Now that's pretty simple, but it's true. Through prayer we receive divine help. In that 19th verse he said that I know that this will turn out for my deliverance Look through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That supply of the Spirit is the supply of the Holy Spirit that we all need in our life. I like the way the NIV puts it like this. I know that through, Paul says, I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Holy Spirit. Through your prayers and the help given by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that through prayer, the Holy Spirit helps you? Oh, hallelujah. He will help you to pray. He will help you in your prayers, but he will give you the help that you need because that, that, the, the, that prayer, prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit are linked, vitally linked together. And you, you and I need to realize this, and I, 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 I'm, I'm doing like Peter said, I'm trying to stir you up by way of remembrance because the things that I'm saying you know, but we need to be reminded, and, and this is the thing we need to know, is that we have to have, as believers today, in the day and hour we, we live in, we have got to have, we must have the help of the 
Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. We need a full supply of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In our lives. We have got to have, and I think it's so important, that we understand the, the need of having a consistent refillings, plural, and renewings of the Spirit in our life. And it's in those times of prayer when we're with the Heavenly Father in prayer that we can receive those refreshings and renewings and refillings. We have a few people here tonight that, uh, that come to our Tuesday and Saturday prayer meetings. And I wished I could encourage everybody that can to come on Tuesdays and Saturdays to our prayer meetings because I know Sister Kathleen will vouch for this and Sister uh, uh, Reed will, will, will attest to this, Gary and Iris, is that there's one thing about those Saturday, those Tuesday and Saturday prayer meetings and that is this, Sister Leona's here. And that is we get a refreshing and a renewing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. I'm telling you, there's not a time we leave this sanctuary after one of those uh, hour-long prayer services, but what we are, are renewed and refreshed in the Spirit of the Lord. So we need that. Now in the book of Acts, in the fourth chapter, you're familiar with this as well, but um, you know, they were assembled. The Bible says that, uh, that they had a, a prayer meeting and when they had prayed, they came together to pray, the church did. And it said that when they prayed that the place where they were shaken, uh, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That was in Acts 4. Now this same group had just all been filled a few days earlier on the day of Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. But now here, a few days later, they're having a prayer meeting and they're all getting filled again, again. See, there's, there's one initial baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the, the infilling of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit that comes into us at the new birth, which He does. But I'm talking about the receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's one initial baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a, a, a subsequent um, experience from salvation, but there are many refillings of the Holy Spirit that we have and that we can enjoy in our life. We need to stay full and stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Bible says that it's not by our might and it's not by our power that we can do anything, but it's by the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And so prayer brings the Spirit. Prayer brings the divine help of the Holy Spirit that we need. Jesus said in John 16 and 7 that He said, I'm going away. And he said, um, it's, it's, it's profitable for you that I go away. Because he said, if I don't go away, the comforter's not going to come. But I'm going to go away and I'm going to send you another comforter, the King James says, um, the new King James. And that word comforter means helper. And there's actually a sevenfold meaning to the word paraclete that is translated comforter in John 16 and 7. It's brought out in the Amplified Bible, but, um, but the sevenfold, this is the sevenfold ministry 
ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm talking about prayer brings the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But Jesus said, he, he said, I'm going to send you the comforter. And look at that. It's the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Amen. That is what the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, that is what the Holy Spirit is to you. You need that help today. Amen. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. Anybody ever need counsel? Amen. He's our helper, our advocate, our intercessor, our strengthener, and our standby. He's always standing by for whenever we need his help, he's there to move in our life. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, and through prayer, we receive help from the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Number three, through, the, through prayer we receive deliverance from bad situations. Through prayer we receive deliverance from bad situations. Anybody ever experienced that? Amen. Well, that's what Paul said there in verse 19. He said, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, my deliverance through your prayer. And he was putting some confidence in the prayers of this Philippian church. And he said, I know that because, and he's, he's, he's writing this from prison. He's in jail. He's in lockup. He's, a, he's in the slammer, you know. Not for doing anything wrong, but for preaching the gospel, for, for preaching the word of God. But he's writing this from a jail cell. And, 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 you know, and he makes that statement. He said, I know you're praying for me and through your prayer, I'm going to have a full supply of the Spirit. That I'm getting the help of the Holy Spirit. But I know that through your prayer, I believe this, that, 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 that this is going to turn out for my deliverance. It's going to turn out for my God. Good. God's going to deliver me from a bad situation. He's going to help me me through a bad situation because you're praying for me. Come on, amen? The New Living says it this way, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He was expecting to be delivered because of prayer. God answers prayer and delivers people from bad situations in answer to the prayers of his people. Do you believe that? Prayer's not something that we just do. You know, I mean, uh, God moves and in, 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 he moves in response and responds and moves to answer our prayer and to help us and to deliver us. I, I know and Jim and Charlotte know uh, that the reason that Rob is, is alive today and coming out of the hospital is because the church prayed and Christians prayed and because of our prayers, God was merciful and delivered Rob from a bad situation. Amen. Woo, he'll do it for you. I said he'll do it for you too. Praise God. Oh, Peter's, Peter was in lockup too. That's something about those Pentecostal preachers in the first century. As in jail half the time. That, we may come to that again. I don't know. 
But he, you know, Peter, he's locked up. They had killed James and it pleased everybody. It pleased the Jews, so they locked Peter up. Herod did, as intending to, to kill him the night before. The night before he's to be executed, Peter's in prison. But the Bible said, the Bible said that Peter was kept in prison. But I love this. It said, but prayer. Everybody say that. But prayer. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I love that verse of scripture. He was locked up. James had just been killed. The church was afraid they were going to execute Peter. I mean, that's their pastor. He's the apostle. And they're going to they're gonna take his life. They bound together and they prayed. It wasn't one of these just, well, we'll pray and claim the answer and go home and go to bed or watch, you know, Matlock or something. No, we're going to pray and we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep praying and we're not going to quit praying until God moves. Come on, amen. That's the kind of prayer services that we need to have. But prayer was made without ceasing, it said. And you know what? God heard that prayer. Here Peter's in a bad situation. Here he's in a, he's going to be executed in the morning. Wasn't really bothering him too much because he, he was snoozing. Most of, me, most of us would have been walking the floor of that cell and we would have been wringing our hands. But Peter's sound asleep, amen? But an angel came in answer to prayer of the church. God sent an angel and he walked walked right into that cell, smacked Peter upside the head and said, wake up, boy, we're busting out of here tonight. Glory to God. (laughs) Woo, hallelujah. Amen, Peter got up, put his shoes on, he started following the angel, went through the first, second ward, got to the iron gate that led into the prison. Amen, God put his automatic door opener on there just like we got on the gates, just like I got on the doors at Walmart, just like he got on your garage door, amen. Opened that thing up automatically, Peter walked out. God took him out of a bad situation cause the church knew how to pray. The church knew how to pray. Psalm 34 said, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. It's time we start crying out to the Lord and believe in God to deliver us in our time of trouble and bad situations. Woo, hallelujah. Let's continue this Bible study with number four. Oh, number four, things that prayer will accomplish in your life. Through prayer, this is number four if you're writing them down. Through prayer, we receive boldness and courage to face anything that comes our way. That got a big amen, didn't it? We receive boldness and courage. Do you know prayer will make you, the illustration I gave, well, as, it'll make you turn from that kitty cat to that lion. You, the righteous are as bold as like prayer. Prayer will give you courage. It will, it will encourage you, give you courage, and give you boldness to face in anything that you face during that day that comes your way during that day. That's why I always encourage, if at all possible, try to make that prayer time in the morning before you start your day. 
and pray about everything to the Lord. Bring everything to the Lord that you're going to face during that day because in prayer you'll have boldness. Listen, prayer in, in verse 20 of Philippians 1, it said, he said that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. Paul had a boldness and a courage that it didn't matter to him if he was going to, to live and be released from prison or if he was going to die. He said, I've got a boldness here that I can face either one. I'm going to make it. Doesn't matter whether the news is good or bad. I'm going to face, if I have to face death, I'll face it with boldness. Amen? And, and that's what we as believers need in the day we're living in today. We need that boldness of the Holy Spirit. I thought about Daniel, who in, you know, Daniel was, was a great man of prayer. He, had a, he prayed three times a day. Amen. He prayed in the morning, prayed at noon, prayed in the evening three times a day. And uh, you all know the story how those, uh, you know, there was political corruption going on back in the Bible days too. So it's not anything new. Same devil does it today, same devil done it then. Amen. But uh, uh, Daniel was one of the three presidents. He was the head of three presidents that were over these other uh, governors of the uh, of, of the Babylonian Empire, King Darius had set him in that place and everybody was jealous of him. They didn't like it because this godly guy was the head of everything. So anyway, they concocted this thing to try to destroy him. Amen. You know, uh, trying to dig up some dirt on him, trying to find some, something wrong with him. Does any of this sounds familiar? Amen. They was trying to impeach him. They was trying to do all this, you know. <laughs> Amen. And, and they finally came to the realization. They said, you know what? We, we aren't going to find anything against him unless we find it against him because he's against him concerning the laws of his God because he's, he's, he's just spotless. He's without spot. We can't, we can't find any collusion. We can't find anything against him. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> And so they, they, they went to Darius, you know, and they said, you know, we want to make a decree that for 30 days nobody can ask a petition of any God or any man except for you. How's that sound, Darius? said, sounds good to me. So he signed it, sealed it. The law of the Medes and Persians cannot be, cannot be altered, cannot be changed. And uh, so now Daniel, Daniel can't pray. The law has been passed that he can't pray anymore. There may be laws passed in the future that we can't stand behind this pulpit and say that a homosexual lifestyle is a sin. That may be a law that may be passed in the future someday that there will be certain things that we can't say. We will be, be possibly tried to be censored from our pulpits. But you know what we got to do if that day comes? I don't know if it will or not. But when that day comes, we need to have some boldness. We need to have some courage to still be able able to stand up and proclaim the word of the Lord. I want to be able to be what, what way Daniel was, do what he does. When that law was passed that he couldn't pray, it said that when Daniel knew, and here it was, he knew that the writing was signed, but he went up to his house and the scripture said he opened his windows in his chamber toward Jerusalem and he got down on his knees three times a day just like he did all the other times and he prayed and gave thanks before his God and he didn't care who saw him. He didn't care who knew it. They wasn't no law going to stop him from praying. 
He had boldness because he was a man of prayer. God gave him courage and boldness. It takes courage and boldness to go into a den of lions. But he went in there and faced the lion's den and God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and got him out, set him free. See, God will always, listen to me, He'll always show up for a praying person. He'll always show up for a praying person. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, through prayer, we can live like Jesus lived. Through prayer, and that's the thing that's going to transform our lives, is our praying, staying in the presence of God. Paul said in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. And it was because he was a man of prayer that he was able to live his life. He said, I'm all about Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus no matter whether I'm, uh, you know, whether I'm on a resort, on a, on a beach somewhere on a resort, or if I'm in a jail cell, or where I happen to be in a hospital room on a sick bed, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live. My life is all about Jesus. Your life has got to be all about Jesus. Amen. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus at supper time, Jesus when you go to bed, Jesus when you get up. Come on, it's got to be, my life's got to be all about Jesus. Hallelujah. And prayer will bring you to that place. Amen. That every minute, every hour of every day, that Jesus will have the preeminence in your life. And see, we'll never be able to live like Jesus until we first learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. Woo! Jesus was always getting alone by himself early in the morning, wasn't he? And getting with the Father and having that prayer time. And, and, and Paul was the same way. You read those epistles of Paul. And everyone, everyone, you know, we read, and he's always talking about that I always, in all my prayers, I'm always making mention of you, day and night, in my prayers. He was a praying man. He was praying all the time. Prayer, prayer will, will transform you and translate you and conform you into the image of Jesus. Now, that's not the... That's not the thing. You know, we like to shout about how it'll deliver us from bad situations and it'll give us courage to face anything. But this is the, probably the most important. Prayer will make you more like Jesus. Praise God. And if there's anything we need, more than anything in the world, we need to be like Jesus, to be conformed into His image. I read the scripture to you last week, how that he said, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, 3 and 18, that, 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 that being in His presence, <clears throat> we're gazing into that, into that glass, into that mirror, looking at the Lord, staring at the Lord with an undertis, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's how this supply of the Spirit can transform and change us and make us more like Jesus. All of us, now listen to me. Are you listening? You got your ears on? All of us have got junk 
that needs to come out and come off. We all got baggage and we all got, got dead stuff that needs to be trimmed and purged and pruned. Are you listening to me? And it's when we're in the presence of the Lord in our prayer time and we're seeking the Lord and asking Him to search us and asking Him to examine us and asking Him to change and transform us that He's doing that work in us on the inside, conforming us and molding us and making us more like Him, more like Him. That's what I want in my life. I want to be more like Jesus. There's a lot more. Listen, as long as I've been living for the Lord, there's a lot more of Ricky that still has to die out. Amen? There's a lot more. The flesh has got to be crucified. Amen? I read the other day, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, you don't have any trouble getting people to the cross. The problem you got is getting them on the cross. Oh, hallelujah. I didn't, I don't know if that went over too good or not, but that's where we got to get. We got to get self. We got to, listen, self's got to die. And if we're going to be more like Jesus, prayer will, prayer will, will cause us, mold us so that we can live like Jesus. For me to live is Christ. Praise God. Number six, we're hurrying. Through prayer, I like this. Through prayer, we see... Re, we, about to start preaching in tongues there for me. <laughs> Through prayer, we find direction in life. Through prayer, we find direction in life. Verse 22, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard pressed between two. There was a decision. He's at a crossroads. I'm hard pressed between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. The NIV says, I am torn between the two. The New American Standard says this, but I am hard pressed from both directions. He was, he was, he was trying to, he, he had two desires here. He was ready to go to be with the Lord. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. He said, I, I'm ready. My desire is to go ahead and leave this old life. If they execute me, if they put me to death, I'm going to depart and go to be with Christ, which he said is far, far better. We don't realize how far better that is to be with Jesus. And we're going to all be with him before too long. He's coming back. Amen. And he said, but then on the other hand, I, kinda, I want to stay here too because you need me. You need me. It's like it's what Opie told Aunt B. Aunt B, you need me. We need, we, we, we need good pastors and good preachers and good ministers. We need one another. And, and he said, you guys need me and the church needs me. So I'm, I'm hard pressed from both directions. I'm torn between two decisions. Do I stay here? Do I depart? I don't know what I would really like to do. But he was confident that he would stay. He went on and said that he was confident that the Lord was going to let him stay a little longer. And it was in prayer. I believe that he got the answer from God. It was in prayer 
crossroads that he got the direction that he needed. Listen, when we are in those crossroads and we come to the fork in the road and we don't know which decision that we need to make, pray, pray, pray and ask God and let him lead you the way he wants you to go. It's in prayer. People that just go through life haphazardly and never talk to God are never going to have the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pray and get guidance and get direction so you'll know which way to go. Inquire of the Lord in all your ways. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways. In all your ways. And not just some of them. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. So prayer... Prayer will give us direction in our life. Number seven. We, we made it. Number seven. Great benefit here, number seven of, of prayer. Through prayer, we contribute to the spiritual progress of others. Listen, not only will prayer help you spiritually, but your prayers, your prayers can help the spiritual progress of other people. That's why Paul was always, that's why Paul was always telling them, pray for me. He was always telling those churches, you pray for me. I'm always telling y'all, hey, pray for me. If you don't have anybody else to pray for, write my name down a hundred times and pray over it a hundred times. Whatever you got to do, okay? Pray for me. If Vicky was out here, she'd be saying, amen. Pray for him. But see, it's through prayer we, can, we, we are able to contribute to the spiritual progress of others. He said this. Paul said, for me to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. But he said, um, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all, listen, for your progress and joy in faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. The Amplified says it this way, to promote your progress and joy in believing. Another translation says to help all of you grow and experience the joy in faith. So see, here's the thing. This is why the Scripture tells us to pray one for another. Pray for one another. Because none of us can make it on our own. We need one another. I need you all. I covet your prayers. I know how powerful prayer is. And do you know what? When you're going through a rough time, you can feel it. You, you can feel it when you know you've got some saints, some, some brothers and sisters in Christ that are lifting you up before the Lord. It's helping you progress in the Lord. It's encouraging you to keep going on. Amen? Oh, we need one another. We need to intercede for one another and make supplication and pray for one another. Paul prayed for this Philippian church. Um, there was another young man, was it Epaphroditus, that prayed for the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 4. And it, it lists there his prayer, how he was praying for them that they would stand, that they would stand perfect and complete before the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was praying for this Philippian church in, 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 later on, I believe it was in that first chapter, but he was praying for this Philippian church that they would be filled with the, with the fruits of righteousness, that they would just, you know, be strong and be, be faithful to the Lord. We need to pray for one another. As a pastor, I pray for y'all. And uh, as, as, as a congregation, I want you to pray for me because our spiritual walk and development in Christ is enhanced and is strengthened by the prayers that we have of one another. Amen. Amen. 
praise God. There's some great accomplishments that can come through prayer. That's why prayer is such an integral and an important part of your life and my life and of this church. If we want this church to have the full supply of the Holy Spirit, then that's linked to our prayer life. That's linked to our prayer. You pray for this church. You pray for the folks that are a part of this church. Pray for the services before you, before you come. You know, pray for the services that the Holy Spirit will be here in all of His power and a full supply to do a work in every heart and life. Amen? Prayer will do you good if you will pray. Amen. Woo, let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Amen.